Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Climate change is our subject today. This, of course, is a heated, loaded topic. It's become very politicized. Uh, House Bill 77, sponsored by Representative Craig Powell, Republican from Heber City, was defeated in committee last week at the legislature. The bill would have defined climate change as a human-caused phenomenon. There was uh, vigorous discussion on Capitol Hill. Representative Powell says this discussion is not going away. However long you're going to serve in the legislature, representatives, it's not going to go away. That's what he told his fellow representatives. And uh, we're going to talk about this, have a debate on uh, climate change, human-caused climate change, whether it should be put into law. I think uh, Representative Powell's uh, purpose here is just to get the words climate change in, in part into into the into the law and into, into the discussion. We're going to be talking with Representative Powell. Also, uh, later in the program, Representative Mike Noel, Republican from Kanab. Keith Cannon, Utah Eagle Forum Vice President for Legislative Affairs, will join us. Dr. Robert Davies with the Utah Climate Center, physicist with them, is going to join us as well. And uh, Stephen Trimble, writer and photographer. And uh, we're especially looking for your questions and comments at 1-800-826-1495. Before we get into the uh, business for today, let me just finish up from yesterday. Of course, we had a discussion on uh, air quality. Here's what Brian Dixon in Logan says. Here's a suggestion that's private sector based. The Cash Chamber of Commerce just announced a branding campaign. How about local businesses branding us as the, quote, worst air quality in the country, end quote. Business voices are the only ones that our legislators and governors seem to pay attention to, and this might get their attention. That's what Brian in Logan says. Thank you for your uh, comment, uh, Brian. Um, And uh, we do have a comment already on climate change. We'll get to that as we uh, go along. Uh, I want to uh, begin with a uh, piece of reporting from Roger McDonough from KCPW. You heard this last week on the occasion of the uh, hearing in uh, in committee of uh, Representative Powell's House Bill 77. Uh, Here's Roger McDonough's report. Republican Representative Craig Powell of Heber wants the state legislature to acknowledge the effects that climate change is having on wildfires in Utah. What the bill does is it authorizes the State Division of Forestry, Fire, and Public Lands to consider the effects of climate change on their efforts to develop and implement uh, firefighting strategies. Fighting wildfires cost the state more than $50 million in 2012, according to data presented at a meeting of the House Natural Resources, Agriculture, and Environment Committee on Monday. Powell says that because of the increased frequency and intensity of fires, a pre-suppression strategy that addresses global warming is needed. House Bill 77 had more than a dozen public proponents, and comments in support of the measure included many like these from Utah author and photographer Stephen Trimble. If the scientists are right, there will be more fire and less snow and more dust and changing forests and faster runoff and impacts on all of our watersheds in Utah. What we're asking in this bill is not to dictate policy, but to give the planners a chance to think about everything. Of the bill's three public detractors present at the hearing, two were from the ultra-conservative Utah Eagle Forum, including the group's president, Gail Rizika. I look at this legislation where we want to put into code that climate change is human-caused. Well, you know, there's such a discussion out there and such a disagreement on that. Why would suddenly the state of Utah know the answer? End of argument. 
Before the bill was rejected by the committee, Republican Representative Ken Ivory tried to amend its language to eliminate any reference to climate change, saying that the real cause of Utah's wildfire woes is federal mismanagement of forests. Past sessions of the legislature have been hostile to the science of global warming, and in 2010, the state's governing body even went as far as passing a resolution urging the Environmental Protection Agency to stop its carbon dioxide reduction programs. Despite this setback, Representative Powell says that this is not the end for his legislation. A bill is never dead in the Utah legislature until the last day of session, but I am a little bit concerned that we are now moving more to an extreme position that does not recognize scientific data. With KCPW News, I'm Roger McDonough for Utah Public Radio. Support for legislative programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and your local office of AARP Utah, a nonpartisan organization helping people 50 and over improve their lives through its advocacy for health care reform, Social Security, and consumer protection in Utah. Information is at aarp.org slash ut. Support also comes from the USU Credit Union, serving members with 24 local ATMs and more than 30,000 ATM access points across Utah and the U.S. through the Credit Union Co-op Network. Information is at usuccu.org. And we're talking climate change on Access Utah today. We bring in Representative Powell. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. And we also have with us uh, Peter Cannon, Utah Eagle Forum Vice President for Legislative Affairs. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, too. And in studio, we have uh, Dr. Robert Davies, who's physicist with the Utah Climate Center. Thanks. Good morning, Tom. Thanks so much for the invitation. We do have uh, an email already, and it's addressed to the Eagle Forum, so it's good we have uh, uh, Peter Cannon on. We'll have you address that in just a couple of minutes. I want to start with Representative Powell. Uh, what's, uh, what was your purpose behind, in your mind, behind running this bill? Uh, the bill was proposed to me by several of my constituents uh, from throughout my legislative district who last summer approached me and said that they had been working with groups who had been studying the effects of climate change, and um, they wanted to have a bill in the legislature that would help Utah make some progress on effects of climate change. And I asked them to educate me, because frankly, I'm not an expert in these areas. I'm not scientific in terms of uh, data and the hard sciences by nature. And so I said, you know, please educate me. And and, and they did. We had uh, I had quite a, a bit of uh, evidence and data presented to me and uh, I, I corresponded with uh, people that I respect, um, constituents and, and uh, experts at Utah's universities and things. And, and, and I, I, I could see that it, 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 that it is a problem and that climate change is occurring. And we may not understand a lot about it, but because of the scientific consensus uh, that it is occurring and that humans are causing it, uh, I wanted to uh, help address their concerns. And so they specifically focused on this wildfire danger that we were experiencing so heavily last summer as something that the public could latch onto as a tangible manifestation of climate change. And that's uh, why the climate change bill became also a wildfire bill. Now, um, as we all know, this issue has become heavily politicized. Uh, and I think one of the reasons this has stuck out with many of us is because you're a Republican. And it seems like 
uh, you can you can address this. To my mind, it seems like you're trying to push back a little bit within your own party. I am uh, saddened that this has become a partisan issue, not just statewide but nationally. Excuse me. And I think that Republicans in my party need to come to grips with the scientific evidence and decide how we're going to uh, deal with it, analyze it, uh, what we're going to say about it. It's the conversation and and the recognition more than anything. If you look at my bill, of course, it didn't do a lot, I think, which was probably one of the criticisms. Uh, Director Dick Bueller of the Division of Forestry, Fire, and State Lands, who was very gracious to meet with my group uh, leading up to the uh, committee hearing, said that in our private meetings, but also in the committee hearing last week, he said that uh, he believes his division uh, probably already does take into account uh, many of the climate change uh, factors in its planning. And for that reason, he said that he didn't think it would necessarily be important to have this piece inserted into Utah statute. Well, my my response to that was kind of just the opposite. If, If they're already doing it and they're already acknowledging climate change and its effects, and I think we ought to be uh, open about that and say so in state law. And I don't think it's a Republican or a Democrat issue. My point is that Republicans can take some ownership of this issue, start having this dialogue. We're not necessarily agreeing with all of the proposals that uh, Democrats in this state or Democrats in the Obama administration uh, might be proposing. But if we don't get to first base, if we don't get to just the square one of talking about whether it is occurring or not, we'll never be able to make any sensible public policy. That's Representative Craig Powell. His House Bill 77 was defeated in committee. Uh, He says, however, the discussion is not over. We'll be continuing through the legislative session, uh, and we'll have him with us for the hour. Uh, In studio, Dr. Robert Davies, physicist with the Utah Climate Center. On the phone is Peter Cannon, Utah Eagle Forum Vice President for Legislative Affairs. And uh, we would love to have your comments on this uh, subject at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Or you can uh, comment uh, by email at uh, upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. We already have a comment addressed to Eagle Forum. I want first, uh, Mr. Cannon, to uh, uh, to get your general comments on House Bill 77, and then I will, I'll address this email to you and have you respond. Yes, thank you. Uh, I think one of the biggest concerns with House Bill 77 is exactly this definition of climate change. If you look in the bill itself, it specifically says the definition of climate change means an observed rise in average annual temperature. Well, it's only a rise, then we shouldn't call it climate change. We should admit that we're talking about global warming. But for some reason, those who feel strongly about this issue want to choose the wording which is most amenable. I'm old enough to remember the time when there was talk among the scientific community that we were in danger of going into another ice age. And and now the scientific community, not long ago, has been talking about uh, increases in worldwide temperatures. But again, there's still the scientific evidence that there may be some cooling going on. If we wanted to argue, uh, as Representative Powell has done, that large forest fires in one summer is representative of global warming, then we should also argue that a high snow winter like we're having this year is indicative of movement away from global warming. So uh, this particular bill, by defining it as one particular 
uh, as a rise in average temperature is wrong-headed, I believe. And uh, I know Dr. Davis will uh, probably have a response to that. We'll give him a chance for that. I wanted to get this email in. It's addressed uh, directly to Eagle Forum, so this will be appropriate for you to comment on this, uh, Mr. Cannon. This, yeah. is, this is Dale Ann Peterson um, uh, via email. This is what she says. There's no debate on climate change. There's clear consensus among climate scientists. The Eagle Forum has absolutely no place in this conversation, unless, of course, you had 97 other climate scientists in the room to debate. According to the Eagle Forum, the three primary factors that cause climate change are solar activity, ocean currents, and winds. And she gives uh, uh, eagleforum.org website. This would be laughable if so many people didn't choose to follow the dangerous opinions and false beliefs over scientific fact. She gives another website uh, where scientists debunk uh, theories, skepticalscience.com. And she ends, this conversation is too important to bow to pressures of special interest groups such as the Eagle Forum. Strongly worded there. What's your response, Mr. Kennedy? I'm not a weather scientist, but I did major in a hard science at Brigham Young University, zoology. So I understand the, the scientific process. I also understand that there are very highly recognized scientists who do not agree with global warming. So to say that it's settled science, I think, is, is premature. Lord Christopher Monkton was the science advisor to Margaret Thatcher in the United Kingdom for four years. And, and he is a strong advocate against the idea of human-caused global warming. I've heard him speak. He was invited to, the, to Utah Valley University a couple of years ago. I've heard him speak. His arguments are magnificent. And to say that it's settled science, I think, is a dangerous cover. It's, it's like saying, oh, we're not talking about this anymore. The deed is done. Well, the deal is not done. There is considerable scientific evidence uh, that implies that Global warming is not happening, not man-caused, at least. Let me, and uh, Dr. Davis, I'll, I'll have you wait patiently for another uh, call. I want to get to call in Ryan in Salt Lake City. Ryan, uh, go ahead with your question or comment. Glad you called. Yeah, um, I wanted to ask the, um, the representative from the Eagle Forum if he has read that 97% of American scientists saying that climate change is happening um, and that it's uh, directly or indirectly related to human activity. There was a recent poll um, from Yale University that suggested that only 13% of Americans uh, knew that fact, and um, it sounds like he does not know that fact. And then also related to global cooling, um, I just wanted to point out that it's important to use systems thinking and systemic causation around all of the weird uh, weather events. So um, big snowfall or, or drought-breaking rain, uh, global warming, and the climate scientists, the 97% of them that agree that this is happening and that it's largely human-caused, uh, is com- entirely compatible with those events. And uh, I would encourage the representative from the Eagle Forum to um, refer to skepticalscience.com uh, to answer all of his questions, because for me, this dialogue is um, is not relevant because we need to be talking about solutions, not about whether or not there's consensus. There is consensus. Let me uh, let me address that. Let, let me phrase this uh, sort of uh, pushback a little bit on what Ryan said before I, I turn turn it over to Mr. Cannon. Uh, there, may, there might be scientific consensus, but very importantly, there is not political consensus on that, and that's part of what, uh, the, you know, what we're talking about today, along with the science. Uh, your response, Mr. Kennedy, to some of the points that Ryan was making. Yes, I understand. Coming from a person who understands science and has studied it extensively myself, uh, say that, that 97% of all climate scientists agree with the global warming idea, 
is, is not really a reliable measure. And the reason is, once someone in authority begins to be able to control which scientists continue doing their research work, then you no longer have an unfettered, open-minded discussion and research. In other words, today, if you were a climate scientist and you were to, to declare that you oppose, that you disagree, you have found findings that say that, that warming is not man-caused, you would lose your grant. You would no longer be allowed to do research because you're outside the bounds of what the establishment has authorized you to say. Uh, people say this is settled science. Well, when they say it's settled science, scientists who disagree no longer get to speak. They no longer get grants. They certainly are not going to get government grants, certainly not government grants from institutions which are uh, gaining influence because they like this idea. I'm, I'm just afraid that this idea of man being able to control his environment, uh, at least the, the weather, the, the climate throughout the world, uh, is getting a lot more credibility than, than we deserve. Man is not that powerful. Let me turn to uh, Robert Davies, who's been uh, waiting patiently to respond to some of these uh, these points. Uh, Dr. Robert Davies, with the uh, physicist with the Utah Climate Center, uh, what, what is your response to a couple of these points? Uh, well, Tom, I, uh, not surprisingly, I, uh, I guess I have to, to respectfully submit that just about nothing that, uh, that Mr. Um, Mr. Kellogg? Um, Sorry. Cannon. Mr. Cannon, Cannon mm-hmm. I apologize, has said is correct. Uh, let me just uh, start with this. Uh, what is considered scientific knowledge within the scientific community, the broad scientific community, is that uh, the Earth is warming. As a result, the climate is changing. Uh, that humans are behind this, uh, driving this change, and that the risks to humans and human society and the human ecosystem are really quite extreme. Uh, That is considered scientific knowledge. Um, Now, to support that, uh, I will simply say that explicit statements to that effect on this notion of scientific consensus, explicit statements to the effect that I just uh, mentioned, have been issued by three dozen national and royal uh, academies of science, by the American Geophysical Union, the preeminent uh, scientific society of reverse scientists, the American Physical Society, the American Chemical Society, the American Meteorological Society, the American Association for the Advancement of Science. That's one of the most pre- one of the preeminent scientific uh, organizations on the planet, and another seventy separate scientific organizations. And you cannot find a single bona fide relevant scientific organization uh, that dissents from that position. So that is how we gauge uh, scientific uh, scientific consensus. And I want to. I also would like to point out that the fact that um, uh, the representative from the Eagle Forum is confused about this is not surprising. There is just a tremendous amount of uh, of confusing and conflicting information in the media. And let me just say that when we hear um, politicians or lobbyists, political think tank representatives. Um, citing a particular study uh, and then drawing conclusions from it that the scientific community itself has not uh, drawn, what we see them doing is playing away from their own strengths. Uh, We have an enormously successful 
uh, framework for doing science, an enterprise of science. It has given us just tremendous success uh, in understanding our natural world. And the scientific community does that very well. And, and what we in the public have to understand is, is that when we hear someone uh, like the Eagle Forum uh, organization dissenting from that, uh, what they are is substituting their own uh, uh, judgment for that of a, of a very successful scientific enterprise. So from a public standpoint, I think that's what we need to know. Uh, I, do, I do want to quickly touch on, on the notion of uh, individual scientists who dissent. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my iPhone here, which, uh, which is just spectacular in what it can do, built entirely based on um, something we call solid-state physics, which, whose foundations is quantum mechanics. And, and I'm reminded that Einstein actually spent the last 30 years of his lifetime uh, trying to demonstrate that quantum mechanics was not a, a, a valid, accurate description of nature, even though Einstein actually created, uh, laid the foundations for much of it. Um, he went to his grave believing that, and, and we went ahead and built the semiconductor industry anyway. And this is a strength of the scientific enterprise, is that it uh, as the representative from the Eagle Forum said, it's, it's not uh, dependent on any single viewpoint. It is dependent on a preponderance of evidence arising from many different lines of evidence. And so uh, when it comes to climate change, I can tell you that among the very few bona fide scientific dissenting voices out there, there are no Einsteins. Um, the, uh, the, there is an overwhelming consensus that this is true. And I would like to agree with the caller that um, what we really want our policymakers to do, our politicians, uh, is to play to their own strengths, which is to, is to accept uh, gravity, uh, stop debating gravity, and start uh, crafting policy that tells us how not to fall. That's uh, Dr. Robert Davies, physicist with the uh, with the uh, Climate uh, Center. Uh, we do uh, have Representative Mike Noel, Republican from Kanab, on the line. We'll go to him uh, very shortly, and we're uh, especially would love to hear your co- questions and comments. And the number is one eight hundred eight two six one four nine five one eight hundred eight two six one four nine five or upraxis at gmail dot com upraxis at gmail dot com. Uh, Representative Noel, welcome to the program. Good to be on. And uh, what, uh, what, what was your position? What is your position on House Bill 77 and this idea that uh, we have to put climate change, the words climate change, human-caused climate change phenomenon, uh, into Utah law? <laughs> well, obviously, I, I haven't been very, very supportive of that in the past. Uh, I was listening to the professor from Utah State University and, uh, and, and you know, in the minds of, of many, many scientists many many people this uh, this whole issue is uh, is resolved and we get uh, condescending statements to those of us that don't believe it i do believe that there are things happening with the climate i don't know that it's uh, co2 i'm not positive of that what we do as policymakers we recognize uh, all of the different experts and uh, senator Imhoff has come up with literally thousands of scientists, thousands, a whole document of scientists that disagree. I would disagree with Mr. Davies that all these different organizations have been open and transparent. Uh, we saw what happened with the IPCC and and the emails that came out and, and shutting down a, a good discussion if you didn't tow the, uh, the specific line that this gentleman from the Eagle Forum mentioned specifically. So, there are some things that are going on, I think, that don't allow for 
full transparency. If we go back just uh, in the 70s when uh, the whole panacea was the, the earth is warming, I don't know all the answers. I know that we've had some of the coldest days on record here in Utah. Uh, there's obviously something going on, whether it's uh, all attributable to CO2. I don't know that. There's other scientists out there that have different theories. Uh, they, I believe they have been, in fact, uh, squashed. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of money here, not just in the scientific community, but also in uh, the trade for uh, carbon credits that would transfer wealth from not only this country to other countries. I think the thing we need to look at is, yes, we got to be careful what we're doing as a society, but uh, what would be the, the best thing we could do in terms of making sure we have the energy needed and the resources needed? Uh, there's many, many areas there where we can get baseload power and not create carbon dioxide, nuclear, but uh, we see the same individuals that push. They want to go to a total uh, grid of uh, solar power and wind energy, which is basically intermittent power at huge, huge costs. I support those issues. I support those things and those types of movement to those, but I also think we need to be very, very careful what we do in our economy, uh, to our economy as a policymaker for the state of Utah. So I think there's a lot of questions out there. Uh, the, the bill itself talks about what we need to do in terms of planning for fire. Uh, that's, I think that's just a facade for this whole issue of whether we define uh, global warming uh, and climate change with CO2 in our statute, which I don't think is going to happen. We already do that in terms of planning for fires. We've been doing that for years and years and years. Some of the issues we need to address are why the federal agencies aren't taking better care of their land, which is two-thirds of the uh, two-thirds of the uh, land in the state of Utah controlled by the federal agencies. That's one of the reasons we're having catastrophic fires because of decadent forests, uh, cheap grass properties. Those are those are some of the reasons we're having. And although we are having warmer temperatures, that's not the whole answer. It's the buildup of fuels, and we have bigger fires and hotter fires because of that. So there's a lot of there's a lot of issues out there. I don't think the legislature is ready to define uh, climate change in the statute and to move towards uh, you know uh, <clears throat> some of the things that the the bill talks about. I think we've already, uh, I think we've already addressed a lot of those issues in terms of firefighting. Representative Noel, there, Republican from uh, Kanab. I want to give Dr. Davis a chance to respond to some of the points, and then I want to bring back in uh, Representative Powell and talk about uh, some of the, again, some of the reasons uh, behind running running this bill. So, Dr. Davies, uh, I'm sure there's some points there you'd like to respond to. Uh, just actually some specific points on Utah climate. Uh, we've, we've heard a couple of misstatements uh, from both Representative Noel and, uh, and from Mr. Cannon. Uh, Representative Noel suggested that, uh, that perhaps there's evidence that, that the state is cooling. Um, I should tell you that uh, 2012 was the warmest year for Utah on record. Um, and it marks uh, 19 years in a row in which the uh, average annual temperature in Utah has been above the 20th century average. So uh, there is absolutely no evidence to suggest that the state is cooling. In fact, the state is warming decade over decade for the last four decades at a rate of approximately twice the rate that the globe itself is warming. Um, Mr. Cannon mentioned that he thought that this was a very high snow year in Utah, and uh, he is correct that I think in future years our research suggests that on reflection, this will be considered a very high snow year, but uh, in comparison to the 20th century average, we are, in fact, below average. Uh, even when you look at the last 30 years, uh, some places significantly below average. So so that is also 
uh, incorrect. So um, uh, finally, Mr. Uh, Representative Noel brought up the notion of what does trying to address uh, these problems do to our economy. And I will simply say that uh, what often gets lost in that discussion, and there's quite a bit of science that's been done on this, is uh, not the costs of action, but the costs of inaction. In fact, that has been quantified recently and estimated now globally at approximately 1.6% of global uh, domestic, of world uh, domestic product. So um, I, I think that's important for policymakers to keep in mind, uh, is not simply the costs of action. Uh, I think those of us who believe that this is a very difficult problem and a very important enormous challenge to humanity view these costs as investments, and there are very real and very large costs to inaction. Let's bring in uh, Representative Powell first, and I understand Representative Powell may have to, to leave here fairly soon, uh, and uh, address this, and I want to address this um, with all my guests. Representative Noel talked about this a little bit. What would, uh, what's the harm in either action or inaction? And so, Representative Powell, I think you, you've you come to uh, understanding a belief that uh, there is a consensus on uh, climate change. You're, you're trying to push this a little bit. Uh, what, what's, what are the stakes here? Maybe to, you could address that question. Um, I approach this from a political and public policy perspective. The reaction that I'm receiving from my constituents, most of them Republicans, because most of my constituents are Republicans, is that they have now themselves accepted this consensus that they've read and studied and, 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 and continued to, to, to hear. And it's not, in my mind, just because of somebody watching MSNBC versus watching Fox News. I'm talking about the scientific uh, data um, that we've just heard about. So as my constituents have that realization, they then think that their representatives, that their legislature, and that their policymakers who are entrusted with uh, understanding these questions and, and dealing with them are, are somehow uh, not getting it, are, are out of touch, or, or are at least um, less informed than they, the citizens are. So I'm not qualified to speak exactly on what the uh, environmental impacts, uh, what the economic impacts, um, what, what the uh, you know, global impacts might be. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm educated enough to know that there is evidence that, that shows many, many of those problems. And even as we look around in our state and see the, uh, uh, the, the disappointment that many people have with things like our air quality, et cetera, um, that we know that there are some effects, but my concern is mostly with just a, a political reality, and that is this is a very mild bill. It's a bill that simply says our firefighting teams and our planning planners for firefighting uh, should be uh, recognizing, should be incorporating this concept into their planning which I think they even say they're already doing. And so I think, I, I think it's a very small step for us to move this conversation along. Uh, and uh, for that reason, uh, my question would be, what's the harm in adopting the bill? Why not adopt the bill? Mm. And we'll get uh, some response from our other guests. Uh, I think you, you have to, to leave us. Uh, so Representative Craig Powell, Republican from Heber City, thank you so much for, for being with us. Thank you very much for the discussion. 
And uh, we, we may see more on this uh, bill. House uh, Bill 77 was defeated in committee. Uh, it uh, has caused quite a vigorous discussion at the legislature. We're trying to continue that here on Access Utah. And you're welcome to join this conversation at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Let me go next to Peter Cannon, Utah Eagle Forum uh, Vice President for Legislative Affairs. Uh, Mr. Cannon, this is a, a g- great opportunity for uh, some of our listeners to um, uh, to respond. You might call vent to the Eagle Forum. Uh, here's another one. This is from uh, from a cell phone via text, um, and the the person says, "Tell me how Eagle Forum is an expert on regulation of climate change, marriage, guns, etc." Don't insult me, it's us, Mr. Cannon. Uh, that's the, the emailer. I, I would just uh, uh, spin that this way. This is an, gets to the point of um, politics, uh, intersection of politics and science. Uh, I wonder what your response to our emailer is. Um, well, Mr. does not claim to be uh, an absolute expert in scientific matters. However, we are citizens, and we are well-informed, and we are educated as many, many citizens are well-educated. And so... We're not taking a position today as experts in the area of science. We're taking a position as citizens who care about what our government does. Representative Powell commented about political realities. And I would contend that when considering political realities with respect to scientific matters, we need to consider those who are statists versus those who love liberty. And the fact of the matter is, when we pass laws that will govern our our use of the environment, we are taking away some liberties. And, and so if we want to have less liberty, then we should allow our government to define climate change, to dictate to us how we can use our environment. Now, everybody agrees that there are some limits that government must impose. But when we go so far that we're going to reduce and restrict our, our production of CO2, uh, a chemical that is produced by our own bodies and, and exhaled into the atmosphere, surely we've gone too far in, in doing things like that. And so we represent citizens who love liberty, and, and that's why we speak on subjects like this. And uh, we are going to take a break. Uh, I neglect to take our 20-pass break. We need to take this one. When we come back, I know Dr. Davies has a response uh, to a couple things that uh, Mr. Cannon said. Uh, Mr. Cannon, we, we had originally um, uh, told you know scheduled you for uh, just the first half of the program, but uh, we'd love to have you stay if, if you have the time to uh, the next 20 minutes. I'm happy to stay. Okay, uh, because we're going to bring on uh, writer and photographer Stephen uh, Trimble, and we'll uh, bring him on. Uh, Dr. Davies remains in studio here, and we'll uh, continue this discussion with Peter Cannon, Utah Eagle Forum Vice President for Legislative Affairs. Representative Well told us that he would, might have to uh, to jump off the phone. In fact, he, he had to do so, so uh, he is gone. Uh, more on this discussion, we have another email to read, and uh, we'd love to have your email or phone call, your perspective on climate change, whether it should be. Uh, put into Utah statute. That was the purpose, at least part of the purpose of Representative Craig Powell's House Bill 77, which was recently defeated in committee. We're talking about climate change, debating that issue in general uh, on the program right now. 1-800-826-1495. Back after a brief break. 
Support for legislative programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and the USU Credit Union, serving members with online bill payer, web teller services, and mobile banking for around-the-clock account access. Information is at usuccu.org. Support also comes from your local office of AARP Utah, a nonpartisan organization helping people 50 and over improve their lives through its advocacy for health care reform, social security, and consumer protection in Utah. Information is at aarp.org ut. Support for Access Utah comes from Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan, now open Monday through Saturday until 2, offering a changing menu of a specialty salad, French breakfast pastries with local seasonal fruits, and lunch sandwiches. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. House Bill 77, sponsored by Representative Craig Powell, Republican of Heber City, was defeated in committee last week, and the bill would have defined climate change as a human-caused phenomenon. It was uh, geared specifically, aimed specifically at forest fires, but uh, Representative Powell's, one of his purposes was to just get the words climate change into Utah law. And, of course, there was pushback. It was defeated in committee. Uh, But uh, Representative Powell has got a vigorous discussion going, which continues here on Access Utah. You're welcome to join this discussion at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. My question recently has been, what are the stakes? And I think both sides believe the stakes are very high in terms of uh, denying this, that uh, there might be catastrophic um, effects and, and stakes down the road. On the other side, uh, if uh, this is not right, as uh, those believe, then uh, we're wasting a lot of resources and perhaps damaging our economy. We have with us uh, Peter Cannon, Utah Eagle Forum Vice President for Legislative Affairs, Dr. Robert Davies, physicist with Utah Climate Centers in studio. And we bring in now Stephen Trimble, writer and photographer. Uh, Mr. Trimble, uh, welcome and uh, welcome back to Access Utah. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Let me get your uh, general reaction to House Bill 77. Well, it's not a radical bill. Um, You know, there is really no discussion about the truth of climate change. You know, just look at the numbers of extreme weather events and droughts and hot years. And, you know, if if you simply observe our planet over the past several years, something is happening. And um, I don't need to try to convince you of the reality of climate change. I would direct your listeners to the website for the National Academy of Science, America's Climate Choices. Just Google that, and you will be convinced. You know, the, the scientists, the preeminent scientists in the country, are, are all in agreement. 90, there's a 90% chance that global warming and climate change has happened, and it can be attributed to burning fossil fuels. And a very benign version of that definition was written into the uh, courageous bill that Representative Powell introduced. And all he simply did was say, look, climate change exists. Utah is in the crosshairs of climate change. If you look at the maps of the future, Utah is very red. We're going to be hotter here, and that's going to have consequences for fire. And the state forester, we want to give the state forester permission to simply include climate change as a factor in planning. That's all the bill asked for. And that's a very conservative position that not only allows us to think uh, in perfectly reasonable terms about the future, but allows us to safeguard our property and our health and nurture our economy. 
Mr. Uh, Cannon, uh, I wonder, as you hear that, uh, that explanation from Stephen Trimble, it sounds reasonable, and, and just maybe starting with the narrow focus of House Bill 77, wh- what would be the harm? Well, the House Bill 77 uh, refers to, to trying to reduce the wildfires that we have here in Utah, and they certainly are a serious problem for Utah. We do live in it. You know, we would expect that hot temperatures and, and fires are going to happen. However, uh, I think if you think about what factors are going to be the largest impact on that problem, uh, one might think about a Forest Service internal study that was done in that the Forest Service was beset by, quote, costly procedural quagmire of planning and assessment. And then it goes on, say, within a statutory, regulatory, and administrative framework that has kept the agency from effectively addressing rapid declines in forest health. Well, the factors that they have not managed very well as a a federal government, uh, for example, are the explosive wood fuel buildups in our forests. And if those, those forests were to be managed by the state, we would surely care much more about reducing the wood fuel buildup from explosive levels in our forests so that we wouldn't have fires. And I contend that we could do much more to reduce forest fires in Utah by managing the land better. And that brings us back to the idea of, of the state of Utah receiving control of those lands so that we can manage as better can do the federal government. Uh, and Mr. Cannon, we're, you're, you're breaking up a little bit. We're, we're, uh, we can understand you, uh, I think, but uh, just be aware you're breaking up a little bit. Uh, so that was Peter Cannon uh, with the Utah Eagle Forum. We do have a, a caller and a couple of emails who want to address their comments to Mr. Cannon. Uh, but I want to go back to Mr. Trimble to, to, for a direct response on the points that Mr. Cannon just made. And then I, I know uh, Dr. Davies has been waiting patiently for a response. Uh, Stephen Trimble, your, your response to some of those points that Mr. Cannon just made. Well, you know, we can go out on the land together and solve individual problems in individual places. We can go out on Boulder Mountain and look at the timber that's been killed by pine beetles. And the reason those those trees have died is because the climate is getting warmer. And we can figure out what best to do about them. But that's not what this bill is about. What this bill is about is a very conservative, reasonable position that has to do with people. It has to do with fire and its effects on people in the state of Utah, and simply being very conservative and thoughtful and saying, okay, we're going to plan for a future in which the average of all the warming scenarios that the meteorologists employed by the University of Utah project, that suggests that Park City is going to have the climate of Salt Lake City, and there will be probably no ski industry in Park City. St. George will have the climate of Tucson. You know, the Colorado Plateau, the canyon country, is in the crosshairs of these warming scenarios. And as we grow drier and drier, the low elevation desert grasslands that we depend on for grazing for our ranching community, it's going to be more and more difficult to graze cows there. You know, all of these things are connected. And what we are asking in this bill, what Representative Powell asked for in this bill, is to simply say, we need to start thinking about this. And we have a future presenting itself to us that is daunting. You know, as we begin to disturb the soil that 
is going to be eroding away in these droughts. There'll be fewer and fewer healthy grass plants, more and more people and their vehicles uh, disturbing the soil in the, the canyon country of southern Utah. All that dust blows into the snowpack over in the San Juan Mountains in Colorado. And as it darkens the snow in the spring, the snow melts faster. We've already increased snow melt in the Colorado Rockies by 50 days already which decreases the runoff into the Colorado River by 5% already, which affects the entire Colorado River Basin. So drought, as a result of climate change in Utah, has a direct effect on the water supply in Los Angeles and Phoenix and Las Vegas. And in order to cope with anything this daunting, this huge, we need to start being very thoughtful here in Utah and consider the future, consider our children, consider issues of climate justice. You know, I'm, I'm on the board of an organization called Utah Interfaith Power and Light, and we are looking for ways to have this conversation in communities of faith where ideology and politics don't prevent progress in those conversations. And so Let me. I encourage folks to, to go to that website as well, Utah Interfaith Power and Light. That's Stephen Trimble, writer and photographer. Uh, we're getting to that uh, part of the program, which often happens, where we have uh, calls and emails stacked up, and we want to get them in. So I'll ask uh, everyone to be fairly brief, uh, but we'll try to get all points of view in as we uh, move toward the end of the program, just about uh, eight minutes left in the program. Uh, this uh, came in from Tiffany Adams, and it's addressed uh, to Mr. Cannon, so we'll have Mr. Cannon respond to this. Um, Mr. Cannon speaks of liberty. Well, I would like my children to have the liberty to breathe clean air and to fully enjoy the outdoors. As it stands now, that isn't the case. Uh, so uh, Mr. Cannon responded to that after I do this part of the email. Uh, she goes on, I appreciate Representative Powell's attempts to change the political discussion and recognize scientific facts. I hope he will continue to represent his constituents in this way. Uh, Mr. Cannon from the Eagle Forum, uh, she's addressed this directly to, to you. Uh, you speak of liberty, and she's saying that they, she'd like her children to have liberty to breathe clean air, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yes, I'm so pleased that that Tiffany is anxious to have her children breathe clean air. So am I. Uh, And so are all of us in Eagle Forum. We are strong believers that we should look after our environment. However, what we shouldn't do is turn over to our government so much power that they can restrict our liberty in so many ways that are not necessary. Uh, Our air quality is not getting so much worse that we can't cope with it. We can cope with it. We can find solutions for that, and we should. But we shouldn't turn over to our government the authority to dictate just how much CO2 we can breathe into the air or, or put into the air by, by running our industry. Uh, poverty is going to kill a lot more people than, than a couple of degrees higher temperature, even if mankind were causing global warming. Uh, and we do have a, a caller who's been waiting patiently. By the way, Ryan, we will get to your email here uh, here uh, right after this. Um, Elizabeth in Logan, welcome to the program. Glad you called. Um, yes, this is a comment in response to, Dr., uh, to Representative Cannon, um, who talked about taking away our freedoms. But oftentimes, you know, we need to be willing to give up some freedoms now so that people in the future you know, are able to enjoy some of the things that we've been able to enjoy. Um, I, you know, I, I can imagine back in the time when national parks were being established that many people complained that that was taking away their freedom to do just what they wanted in those lands of beauty. And I thank God that 
um, those are preserved so that we can enjoy those today. So I don't know that freedom is really the best way to define this. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Elizabeth. Appreciate that. Let me get Ryan's email in. This is what Ryan says. Uh, there's no significant debate amongst the scientific community, and I would like our policymakers to listen to science and begin acting on solutions. Since Chairman Newell's committee stated that the DFFSL, I think that's referring to the Division of Forestry, already is and can act on the best available science related to climate change, all other Utah agencies can and should as well. Why did agency heads tell a group of citizens that the legislature will cut funding and threaten to fire people if they act on climate change? See, uh, denied petition for rulemaking cited in the LTE published in the Deseret News, and then he gives the... uh, it gives the link to the Deseret News. Uh, Dr. Davies, I'm, I'm sure that you, um, maybe not on this specific point, but I'm sure you uh, would like to rebut a couple of points that have been made. Well, I, I would simply like to comment. Uh, first of all, Mr. Trimble's uh, uh, exposition on the, on the effects of, of climate change, the projections that are coming, are, uh, I would like to say, were, were very well articulated and are well grounded in science, uh, a vast preponderance uh, of evidence. Um, Mr. Cannon uh, just a, a while ago, before the break, um, pivoted the discussion. He began by challenging the the notion of a scientific consensus and challenging the science itself on anthropogenic warming. Uh, then he pivoted to saying that uh, that he didn't want to address it. He didn't. He was he was leery of government interference because of 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 um, loss of liberty. And I would simply say that this is a common uh, problem in this particular debate, which is that he's not really challenging the science based on its merits. He's challenging the science uh, because he fears uh, perceived policy implications. And and certainly, uh, I think we can all agree that how we address this is critical. Um, what I would simply say from the scientific community, uh, and I know quite a few scientists who feel this way, is we're we're actually ready for people like Mr. Cannon, uh, people like Mr. Noel, people like uh, Representative Noel, people like Representative uh, uh, Powell with his bill, whom we're, I, I'm actually very pleased with. Um, we're ready for those people to apply their talents where they are are really needed and and used, and that is crafting. Uh, relevant, effective public policy based on the science. And given the science, which is what we have got, um, let's start. This is the this is the defining challenge of our time. Um, and we need these talents. Uh, the, the scientific talent has been there to identify the problem. The question now is, do we have the societal talent to address them? And And I, as a citizen, not just a scientist, really... Uh, encourage um, Mr. Cannon, the Eagle Forum, and our legislators to turn to, to to accepting that science and now the very difficult task of crafting meaningful, good policy that, that does protect our liberties when, when possible and, and also mitigate the problem. Let me, we have another email that came in. I'm going to address this to, to Mr. Cannon and link it to what Dr. Davies just said. This is Jim in, uh, in Logan. Uh, I would like to thank Dr. Robert Davies for providing a voice of reason to counteract the voices of the, quote, Flat Earth Society, and quote, Eagle Forum and others. So that's, uh, you know, fairly hard-hitting characterization, uh, which would not be atypical, I don't think. Uh, and and there, there's, you know, there, this is high stakes. And so, and Mr. Cannon, I'd like to have you respond to what Dr. Davies said. Um, if I can quote him correctly, he's saying that maybe on other scientific issues that you would accept consensus of science, but because you think the stakes are very high, you don't, uh, you're not accepting science in, in this case. 
uh, it comes down to uh, to belief even I would, I would contend, I would disagree with uh, Dr. Davies' statement that, that we don't want to challenge the idea of anthropomorphic global warming based on science. I do challenge it based on science. So does Lord Christopher Munson and many other scientists, although they are a small percentage, do challenge it based on science. But that said, we do need to consider the, the political ramifications. The fact of the matter is, the more power we give our government to govern our lives, to take away our freedoms, the less freedom we retain. And in my mind, having our freedom, honestly, is more important than any other issue. Maintaining our freedom is an issue that we fought over before we came to this world. It's a, it's a battle we have fought for a long time. Certainly our founding fathers fought that battle, and, and we will fight it even after we leave this world, I'm afraid, it's the battle for personal freedom. And that Elizabeth from Utah State, I'm afraid, if she's willing to give up her freedoms uh, in order to have a little more safety or a little more security or a little more certainty, she's not in agreement with our founding fathers. They gave up an awful lot of security and safety in order to preserve our individual freedoms. And that is a big deal. If we talk about the the pivotal issue of our time. Maintaining individual freedom is the pivotal issue of eternity. So it's it's no small matter. We are reaching the end of our time. I do want to get fit in one last email and uh, then, uh, you know, get very brief final response from either Mr. Trimble or Mr. Davies. Uh, this is what Brian... Uh, Let's see, who is this? This is, yes, this is Brian. Uh, he says, what is hard to understand is why human-caused climate change merits consideration. Human-caused climate change is a logical construction that only succeeds in the context of that construction. Outside of that construction, human-caused climate change is of no relevance. I don't know, Mr. Trimble or, or Dr. Davies want to? I'd be happy to address yes, that. Yes, go ahead. And, and you, you'll, I think, get the last word here because we're running out of time. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to say to, to Mr. Cannon that, um, you know, are we willing to give up, are we willing to retain liberty and die for that? You know, I, I think that we have a public health crisis that we can all see out there in the air that is leading us toward a place where we have to do something. You know, 80% of health care costs come from chronic illness. This is an issue of public health versus polluter profits in addition to the overarching issue of the future of the planet. And so I would go right back to, to saying, you know, ideology does not trump common sense. Ideology here, we all have our ideologies, but we're looking at a very daunting and serious and threatening future. And we need to think about uh, the, the justice issues, the social justice issues, the issues for people far more than anything else. And if we simply do that, we have no choice but other than to listen to scientists, to listen to everyone we can think of to address that future and move forward together and make some compromises and set ideology aside and figure out what we're going to do as the earth warms and changes and is an enormous threat to millions and millions of people's lives. We'll uh, leave it there. Last word there because we're Passed out of time. We wanted to fit uh, in some last comments. Uh, Stephen Trimble, writer and photographer, thanks so much. You're welcome. Uh, Dr. Robert Davies, uh, physicist with the Utah Climate Center, thank you. 
You're welcome, Tom. Thank you. We appreciate uh, Peter Cannon, the Utah Eagle Forum Vice President for Legislative Affairs, for being with us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And uh, earlier we had Representative Mike Noel, Republican from Kanab, and uh, Representative Craig Powell, Republican from Heber City, who's uh, reignited this discussion with his House Bill 77, uh, which was defeated in committee last week. This discussion can continue, if you would like, on our website, upr.org. You can continue uh, sending us emails at upraxis at gmail.com. And I'm Tom Williams. Thanks for listening today.